Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. My body! My choice! My body! My choice! My body! That's the sound of abortion rights protesters in Los Angeles over the weekend expressing their rage at the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade and vowing to fight it. The demonstration was one of many held across California in protests large and small. Many who protested had had abortions themselves and said it was time to share their stories publicly. In L.A., the California report met Izzy, who didn't want her last name used. It's very personal to me because I was assaulted in the military by a fellow service member and having access to an abortion literally saved my life. I was at the point where I was like, I'm getting an abortion or I'm killing myself. Meanwhile, anti-abortion activists in the state are celebrating and absorbing the enormity of their victory. Jonathan Keller is CEO of the Fresno-based California Family Council. In some ways, I don't know that I ever thought we were actually going to get to this day. I mean, you always work for it and you believe that it's possible, but I'm I'm still kind of in shock that it's actually here. The Supreme Court's ruling comes during an election year with the control of Congress at stake. And progressive political activists say in the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, abortion and reproductive freedoms will be the biggest issues shaping the political landscape. And this weekend, they started preparing for that fight. In Los Angeles over the weekend, I talked about that organizing and the role of California shaping the elections with Emiliana Guerica, CEO of the Women's March Foundation. This is personal. This is personal. Latina women, I'm a Latina. Latina women and black women are going to be affected the most. Women that look like me are going to be impoverished even further. So we have to take the fight to the state level and we start here. So what does that mean in the coming days and weeks and months heading into the November election, what do you think you and your allies must absolutely do? We must absolutely look at races where the state legislators are anti-abortion rights and make sure that we mobilize, that we register voters, but more than anything, mobilize them to the polls, right? Texas and Florida, California, we're safe. New York, we're safe. We're sanctuary states. But we have a bigger responsibility to our sisters that don't have the same rights. Not everybody can travel. So it is looking at those races in Ohio, in North Carolina, in Georgia, and making sure that we educate women at what's at stake in their state when they elect anti-abortion candidates. So in a sense, you want California to be a kind of command center helping fight the fight that you want to fight in other states. Do I have that right? Absolutely. It will be a hub 
to fight that fight and to support our sisters that want to fight that fight in their state, right? They may feel alone right now. I can't imagine how women feel in Georgia, how women feel in Texas. It's early yet, but in this first weekend after the court decision, do you like what you see so far from where you're coming from politically on this issue? I need more. You need more. I need more from my elected officials. I need the elected officials that I elected to say, we are going to expand the courts. We are going to work on codifying Roe v. Wade because that's why we put them in office. I need more for the generations ahead of me. Our daughters and our granddaughters were failed. So we need more from our politicians. Again, that's Emiliana Guarica, CEO of the Women's March Foundation. Let's turn to the legal environment after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Legal scholars say it's unsettled whether Californians could be held legally liable for helping people from out of state get abortions. With more on that, here's KQED's Danielle Venton. At issue is whether states have authority to criminalize behavior outside of their borders. It would be a stretch, says Kiara Bridges, professor at the UC Berkeley School of Law, but it can't be ruled out. I mean, we've seen incredibly creative uses of the law around abortion. She points to a Texas law that allowed private citizens to sue anyone who helped another person get an abortion. It was innovative to take the state out of the enforcement mechanism entirely. And so I think that we will see same sort of creativity around limiting abortion availability. Governor Newsom announced an alliance with Oregon and Washington to refuse extradition for people being prosecuted for abortion-related actions. For the California Report, I'm Danielle Venton. California, which has positioned itself as a bastion of reproductive rights, plans to welcome people from states who need abortion care, and it may even help them cover the costs of traveling here. KQED's health correspondent April Naboski has the story of Californians who want to help in very direct and tangible ways. After the Supreme Court's draft decision was leaked in May, Lee Mitchell posted a message on Facebook, written in code. It said, if you are a person who suddenly finds yourself with a need to go camping in another state that is friendly towards camping, I will happily drive you and support you. I was just furious. What I did was I fueled myself in looking for ways to help others. Mitchell had a vision of picking women up at the airport in San Francisco, driving them to the clinic for their abortion, then offering them a place to sleep on her couch, and really a hand to hold, something she did not have when she came to California for an abortion in 1970. I lived in Minneapolis. You know, I looked and looked, and back then it was, there were no sources. So I had to pay the money to fly to California. It was one of three abortions Mitchell had before Roe v. Wade. There was no counseling. There was zero. I went in there to that back room and had the abortion and came out. Mitchell is 75 now and can hardly believe this is happening again. California is expecting a nearly 3,000 percent increase in the number of people coming from out of state for abortion care. Since the fall, nonprofits have been working to recruit and train wannabe volunteers like Mitchell. I am amazed at people coming together and supporting and showing up for people that they don't even know in droves. Trisha Gray is the volunteer coordinator at the nonprofit Access Reproductive Justice. They've already been getting calls from people in Texas, Arizona, and New Mexico who need help with travel. She says she has about 60 active volunteers now, but is working to bring that up to 250 statewide. 
part of what I'm doing is recruiting near Westchester and LAX as a basis because they're close to the airport. With the pandemic, volunteers are still giving rides, but homestays have been put on pause. Volunteers help pay for and book hotel rooms instead. It's a boom, 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 you're, you're ready to go type of deal. A hotel can run about four or five hundred dollars. Add to that the cost of a plane ticket, childcare, and lost work hours, and the logistical costs alone of getting an abortion can surpass a couple thousand dollars. With the growing patient volume, nonprofits can't keep up. California lawmakers want to help by establishing a new state fund. It would help support the work of volunteer coordinators like Gray, and it would also provide cash to help out-of-state women pay for travel costs. It's an idea local anti-abortion activists are opposed to. We're calling it, you know, abortion tourism. Greg Burt is with the California Family Council. Come to California, go to the beach, get your abortion done, and, and we'll pay for it by the taxpayer. He says he wishes the state would put more money into removing the obstacles to having a child, rather than focusing on clearing the obstacles to abortion. Those incentives send a message that we value one more than the other. Almost 80% of Californians have said they're opposed to overturning Roe v. Wade. Yes, ma'am. Sorry to bug you. At the mall in San Francisco, I found a similar majority were okay with the state using their tax dollars to help women from other states come here for abortion care. I think it would be a good idea. I think it's okay. I definitely agree with that. In the fall, Caroline Fong will leave for college in Missouri. It's one of 13 states with a so-called trigger law set to automatically ban abortion after the Supreme Court's decision. Setting aside taxpayer money is really important to ensure safe abortions for women. Two people I talked to did not like the idea. No, estamos de acuerdo. Construction worker Joe Bassant says he believes in protecting life. His wife, Claudia Sanchez, says there are better things we could be investing in than that. The proposal is one of 13 bills moving through the legislature, all aimed at making California an abortion sanctuary state. Lee Mitchell is looking for ways to be more involved, more hands-on. She imagines what it might have been like when she was 20 if her future self had picked her up at the airport. I would have liked it. I think I probably would have opened up to the person to the 75-year-old Lee. I would have. I don't know if everybody would have. Seasoned advocates like Trisha Gray say today, the simple act of giving someone a ride to the clinic is revolutionary. For The California Report, I'm April Dimbosky. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. Knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
In addition to repaving the landscape of abortion access across the United States, the Dobbs decision, specifically Justice Clarence Thomas's concurrence, is raising questions about potential threats to other rights secured by past Supreme Court rulings, including protections for same-sex intimacy and same-sex marriage. This weekend, our KQED colleagues were out documenting Pride festivities in San Francisco, including the first annual Castro Family Pride Block party, and we asked attendees about their own fears. Luisa Hurtado was at the event with her wife, Nicole. I was just really sad and disappointed. I'm an immigrant to this country, and, you know, like, there's all of these kind of talks about freedoms and all of that, but uh, this is just the start, and it's just very disappointing because they're going after LGBTQ people. They're going after, like, minorities, and it's just, it's just, it was really heartbreaking for me. Anthony Chen and his husband, Maple, were also at the event with their son, Henry. I'm actually quite concerned that these other landmark cases will be overturned in the future. Um, obviously, we had thought that that was over and done with, but now, you know, we have a family and now we're worried that that's going to be up in the air, that our status um, as legally married individuals with children um, is now going to be in jeopardy, and then we have to do that fight all over again. Again, that was Anthony Chen and Luisa Hurtado speaking with KQED's Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez. And that's the California Report for Monday, June 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts.
to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 